Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Jaws for a Minute, the podcast which takes a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic film, Jaws, one minute at a time, or thereabouts. I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And I am Sarah Buttery, and we have a guest this week, which is super exciting. I feel like we haven't had a guest in a really long time, so um, we are very delighted to have this guest with us today. So welcome to Chandru Ravindran. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. Uh, been super keen to have you on because I know how much you love this oh, film. Man. So <laughs> you can now uh, tell the world, tell the world what it is that you um, love about Jaws so much uh, and, and why you wanted to, to come on. So <laughs> there's so much. I mean, this is my favorite movie and it's long been my favorite movie. So my earliest memory of seeing it was when I think I was like two or three. So my dad would watch movies endlessly and repeatedly like so he and my mom watched this back when they were like just when they'd just been married and so he would be watching it like on tv and he would let his two or three year old kid watch it as well and (laughs) so i have like these viv like you know you know your memory when you're three you just have like flashbulb memories of stuff so i just have like these Mm -hmm. brief moments of remembering like oh the shark jumps out at this point and the shark does this at this point but that's it but after that, I would, you know, I would watch it all the time. Like this, we would, we recorded it on VHS. I'd watch it multiple times a year. And, but at, when I was young, I would only watch like the second half because I was young and stupid. <laughs> so I didn't realize how <laughs> when I was, when you're young and stupid, you just like the shark parts, you know, you don't get like mm-hmm. the character stuff. And so I was like, ah, oh, this stuff's so slow. Let me watch the shark parts, which I adored. And then as I got older, I was like, these, you know, the characters are incredible. Like, some of the best characters I've ever seen in a movie. And, you know, like, I had favorite movies when I was growing up, like, uh, you know, like the Indiana Jones movies I love, and I'm a big fan of the Halloween movie, or the original Halloween. But Jaws always stood out to me because of the characters. And the reason I really wanted to be on the podcast and to do this scene in particular was one thing when you watch something when you're, like, two or three years old... You don't get, like, you. I might have been scared when I was watching it, but I didn't have any memories of being scared because I was so young. And, like, so intellectually I knew this movie is super suspenseful, but having watched it so many times since I was so young, n- none of the scenes get to me, right? So I was like, let me, I want to talk about a scene that builds up to, you know, is a big sort of build up to a shark attack, but, like, a scene that never like never was really suspenseful for me as a kid because I thought looking at it from that point of view would be just really interesting for me so that's why I love Jaws and that's kind of why I wanted to do this scene mm. yeah the, we we were talking a little bit um off mic actually before we before we started recording and saying that the last couple of weeks uh where it's just been been me and MJ but we've sort of thought like oh there's not too much in this scene like it's quite light i'm not sure we'll have like a you know too much to discuss and get into and they've been some of the most in-depth uh, conversations that we've had so, like over the last <laughs> couple of weeks and particularly this noticing tension where oh, we've yeah. never noticed tension before that is so prevalent in this scene that we're talking about today and boy is there a lot of stuff in this scene so i think we need to we need to get stuck in straight away um 
so that we don't spend three hours talking about this scene. Um, So the timestamp of this scene is from 57 minutes and 47 seconds to 59 minutes and 12 seconds. We are still not at the hour mark. Uh, We're almost there, I promise. Um, So in this scene, uh, Ellen is over by uh, a sort of um, food beverage stand. She waves at Brody from across the beach um, and says that Sean is with her. I don't know what happens, but next thing we know, Sean is then <laughs> running over to Michael, who is about to take his boat into the pond, as we saw Brody instruct him to in the previous scene. Uh, we see the spotters on on the boat. Um, a moment from Hendrix again, as, as he sort of thinks that he might have seen something, and the boats are sort of reporting between each other and back to the beach as well. And then we have Larry's big moment in the spotlight. He is being interviewed um, and he says that they have caught the shark. Uh, everything is wonderful. It's a beautiful day. Beaches are open. People are having a wonderful time. Uh, that's where we we leave it. Well, we sort of get to the end of uh, when Larry says amity, as you know, means friendship. And that's where we leave it for this week. So, oh boy, that <laughs> synopsis does not do this scene justice because there's so much stuff in there. But um, we're going to pass this over to you first, Chandru, as our, as our esteemed guest. Um, what was one thing that really leapt out to you in, in this scene? So the main thing that jumped out at me was actually the sound design, which surprised think, me yeah. because I didn't <laughs> think it would. And I don't mean to bring in like all the earlier scenes, but it kind of connects to the earlier scenes, like the, like the ones where before the scene all had like a lot of people like just milling about on the beach and like the that really sort of like almost fun-filled music that John Williams had to introduce to the 4th of July scene. Like all of that stuff is going on before this scene. And at least from my memory, this is the first scene in that sequence where the sound sort of starts dropping out. And it's almost like Spielberg is like ratcheting up the tension manually. Like, so there's that hot dog music, like that hot dog stand music when Ellen is doing her bad parenting and says, I've got Sean. And then Sean is like running away, like with pure silence, like, you know, just the sounds of like an empty beach in the background. It's almost like it feels like in that moment, it's like Spielberg is setting up, setting up like, okay, something is going to happen now. It's like a subtle, a subtle cue. And, you know, the rest of the scene is like kids, like people just like splashing around and it's, you know, reminders of the Alex Kittner scene with all the, you know, the splashing and the loud water that I think you guys called out in your episodes for that. Mm. And then we get those underwater shots where it's just, you know, the music is, or the sound is completely drowned out by the water. And I think that sound design just like jumped out to me as it's the primary means of how they build, how they build up the tension in the scene. I just thought it was incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it was the, the, the editing in this mm-hmm. scene was it's i mean this as a compliment it is edited within an inch of its life it is yeah. it is so so um uh there, there's this idea in in like rock and roll music that the best <clears throat> drummers are the ones who feel like they're 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 about to make the song fly off the rails at any moment just because like they're riding the edge of overplaying. So like Keith Moon, Dave Grohl has this theory. Um, so this is how I feel about this. This sequence feels like it is almost, it's riding the line of being over edited. 
and yeah. it isn't it is perfectly oh, edited yeah. but it feels so like there's an inherent tension building in the shot selection but there's so many shots and so many moving parts um mm-hmm. to this sequence that it feels like it's about to go off the rails oh, like you're yeah. just like it's 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 almost confusing um yeah. and it it, it, it isn't yeah. but it kind of is it's this really like interesting juxtaposition it it like to let my like film study student flag fly for a second like it, it it's comparable to the you know the most famous montage ever the odessa step sequence from battleship potemkin that's like the default film studies montage thing right mm-hmm. where it's just like each shot is so carefully selected but so not even chaotically edited but so deliberately edited to cause a specific reaction within the viewers that it doesn't feel like it it's this weird little magic trick that uh that happens in the editing yeah Mm -hmm. yeah the 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 edit and the the sound design were two of the things that really struck me when first watching this scene. So glad that you both <laughs> sort of brought those those things up. And I think that they they tie in so perfectly together as well. In uh, particularly where it sort of moves between being underwater and then slightly above water, and you get those brief sort of bursts of of people laughing or yeah. kids screaming, having a good time, and then it gets muffled again as it goes underwater and when it is underwater for longer periods of time as well, that the sound is really distorted and, and muffled and doesn't just sounds off. And even though that is what it sounds like when you are underwater, everything is, you know, you don't really hear anything or anything you do hear is sort of like heavily uh, muffled. It's, it's, it's disconcerting that like to, to have that particularly as we've sort of just had, these couple of scenes where there has been a lot going on it it may have actually been last week's scene where we were talking about how much there was going on in terms of music and radio and then the the band is playing and then like another song comes on on the radio as the kids all run into the ocean and there's a helicopter and there's just so much and this is there is still a lot a lot going on in in this moment that we're talking about but it's also it has those moments of silence or sort of muffled sound that are just really ramping up that tension and it's so effectively done and it also it does play this trick on you as well and i had this moment of watching this scene of being like my eyes i think are just imagining <laughs> this shark everywhere mm. like mm-hmm. i am i feel like in the scene when when hendrix yep. is talking and he says um he questions about a shadow and then he's sort of saying oh it must just be this glare i swear you can see something in the background and it might just be like a bird or movement in the waves or something but there is something moving out there and i truly felt like i was going mad when i was watching this scene i was like is the shark there i don't know it could be anywhere um and as another bit that sort of really shows that very well as we've spoken a lot in the last couple of weeks about the umbrellas and how they sort of look like uh because they're just made up of a load of triangles they look like the fins of the shark there's a moment where Brody is 
on the beach. Um, I think it's as Hendrix is sort of talking to him across the walkie-talkie, and he is surrounded by umbrellas. I have never seen mm-hmm. so many umbrellas in one shot. There's like nine or ten. I paused it and counted because um, I was like, "This is a lot. <laughs> this is too many umbrellas." Um, but based on what we've been saying in, in previous weeks about you know those sort of triangles coming out of the sea or the the sand and looking like the fins of a shark we're really starting to feel like something very bad is going to happen very, very soon. Um, And this scene is so effective in building up that tension. It's really, really incredible. And I think that a lot of people will will think about Larry's big moment and and we'll get onto that. But just to talk about these moments leading up to it as well, I think there is so much to unpack uh, in these scenes. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you guys mentioned this in your, you know, your previous episodes, but like, the entire, like, the, I feel like the entire 4th of July sequence up to this point is building tension, but it's also, mm. it, this portion of it, like, the, this has a different feel to the rest. Like, I feel like this part has this heaviness to it, like, this, the sense of dread as they, like, a lot of things start getting shown, like, they're almost like, like red, not red herrings, because, but, like, so when Sean is running towards michael it's like Mm. it's just like a i don't know it's like three or four seconds and but it's it's like setting up where they're going but then it switches like like you said the editing so good and purposeful it switches back to the chaos in the water so that we almost like forget about sean and michael like about where they're going even though you know spoiler alert there like michael (laughs) is going to be one of the like one of the ones who gets attacked but it's like set up beautifully like that we know where they're going and then we get we go back to this sort of this back to the you know the main portion of the beach where all where all the tension is building and correct me if i'm wrong but is this the only scene in the movie where you have an underwater shot that's not a point of view shot or not definitively a point of view shot from the shark and is not or is not of a shot of like hooper swimming Mm, i think so yeah i I think so yeah i think it's like that not knowing what's going on like is the shark actually just like circling around under them like is it right there and Mm -hmm. do like just not knowing that is like i think it's just uh it's magnificent like it's so it's so well done it's so like that building of tension is so great so to uh to take the magic comparison a little bit further that shot in particular is this weird uh sleight of hand it's almost like a misdirect in in uh in like magic where it could be the shark but it could also be the you know the kids with the the cardboard fin just kind of messing around like he's using the grammar that we're familiar with of being first shark perspective right the first episode of the show uh to kind of play with us a little bit it's it's it it all goes back to this sort of um this thing we've talked about about spielberg has kind of a mean streak in him that he doesn't fully let go (laughs) and you just get flourishes of it and this is i feel like this is one of those flourishes because in in hindsight you know knowing what we know about how the rest of the scene plays out it's a little mean to to do this to have this (laughs) this uh this fake out um scare Mm -hmm. but it could also be the shark because we know the shark is present it's on its way to the pond right so yeah um this could be this could be the the shark uh searching for its next meal and then as far as the thing behind hendrix there absolutely is something in the water thank you but i think 
Mm. I think it's one of those, like, you know how they put out, like, safety lines to, like, show the boundary of, mm-hmm. of you know, where, like, the max distance people should should safely yeah. go? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's that. Because it looks like okay. there's kind of multiple things bobbing, and it looks like they're spaced <laughs> <Okay>. out semi-equally. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there definitely is something in the water and I had to re I had to rewind it three times while you were talking to (laughs) see what it was. So it could definitely, it definitely gives the illusion of like, Whoa, what is that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And actually I, I accidentally uh, went a little bit further ahead and you start to see the fin appearing in basically the very, very next second. And we learned that it is the, the fake, uh, fin that the kids have got, but it's still this all of this building up is it is playing tricks on you it both in what you're you're hearing and in the editing and the things you're seeing as well you are starting to think of this shark being anywhere and everywhere and actually the interesting that you've brought up the the first shark perspective because i i wrote that down in my notes but i put (laughs) first shark perspective question mark because it's it, it is the exact sort of like same shots as we've seen previously yeah. and, and as the shark is approaching Alex, but we have no score uh, in, in this, but it is completely silent. And this is something we've joked about quite a bit on previous episodes where we've been like, well, the characters in the film can't hear the Jaws score. <laughs> they don't hear the, the shark approaching. Um, so it is that it is that misdirection and the 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 threat is silent the shark is silent he isn't humming the jaws theme as as he approaches his latest meal like he he is silent why, so why isn't he well quite <laughs> in my head he is uh, but, but... that's uh but... that well time to derail this that's uh that's the noise that sharks make when sharks fart <laughs> Is the Jaws it's theme? The Jaws That's amazing. Theme. Yeah. yeah, shark farts sound yeah. like the Jaws theme. That's a little known fact. <laughs> Jack, Jack, back me up on this, please. Yeah, please. We need our shark expert. Uh, is this true? Do do sharks fart the sound of the Jaws theme? Um, I that is absolutely throwing me off now, but that is okay. Um, yeah, the 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 no score being there is something that is is very significant in the next couple of scenes because when we get those moments of panic and screaming when the people see the fin there is no score so that is that is the sort of the the subtle clue to the audience that actually this is this is not the shark um but it's still yeah i i think it's it's so it's so effective the way that that silence is you or muffled sound is is used in this scene um in in building up that tension and one thing that I I picked up on it's it's quite early on, so it's when Sean is is running, and I don't know if you guys uh, had subtitles on when you're watching it, but what what Sean <laughs> says when he yeah. is like running oh, yeah. after Michael. Um, so I've I've not got a conclusive answer because my Netflix subtitles say Michael, I don't like you no more. Yep. Um, and then the script says, "Michael, I don't want you to go in the water." Oh, so I, what did you guys have? I, <laughs> so I I usually don't watch movies with subtitles, but I did this scene. But every time mm. I've seen the movie, I've heard, "I don't like you no more," which mm. I don't. I guess it would make sense about don't go in the water. Like you know, he he. I'm assuming his parents have talked about a shark being out there, and uh, Sean's probably concerned. But I think he's saying, "I don't like you no more." Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the only thing I've ever heard, and that's what my subtitle said too. Yeah. So interesting because it's I don't know if it's one of those weird things again like when you think it is saying something else that you listen to it again and then you hear it but when I I then like went back and watched that just that bit of him running after after him and when I'm not looking at the subtitles I hear the other thing um so my brain was very confused (laughs) for a minute um it makes well the him saying don't go in the water um makes more sense of making my next point so i'll I'll go with that for now (laughs) um but we've seen a lot previously that um sean copies brody quite a bit um and sort of really seems to look up to his his dad and and uh, repeats things back sometimes that, that Brody has said and we have that lovely scene of, of him imitating him at the dinner table so this is something that we've we've seen quite a bit and that bit with Sean running after Michael it happens right after Brody has has just said to Michael don't go in the the sort of the, the main bit of the sea go in the pond so it makes more sense that Sean is saying that but I I don't know. I I was convinced that he said the I don't like you no more and then I read the script and I was like, oh no, this ruins everything. But that's also a better point <laughs> so, to make on the podcast. So I don't know. So the point I'm going to make now is being me being facetious because I think Brody's, my, <laughs> Brody's maybe my favorite character in any movie. Uh, definitely mm-hmm. my most relatable like hero character. Usually heroes are not that relatable. Um, and Ellen Brody's phenomenal. Like one of the most realistic... Mm-hmm you know, mothers and wives that I've seen in a movie. However, I do think this scene, why? Like, if I was Brody, I would have been like, no, don't put your boat in the pond either. Stay on the beach. You're not going in the water. Like, <laughs> like put in the pond. Like, when I hear pond, I'm like, oh, that's a separate body of water. But it's literally connected to the ocean. Like, and mm-hmm. and then Ellen, it's just, I've got Sean. And then Sean's just running off, like, anywhere. He and I think Sean is doing the best parenting there if he's saying, don't go in the water to Michael there. So, uh, but mm-hmm. I, that's my own, literally the only flaw. I, or it's not even a flaw. It doesn't affect my enjoyment at all. But it's literally the one thing I'm like, really, Brody and Ellen? You would let Michael be in the water? But <laughs> hey, I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to judge someone else's parenting. I feel like I feel like it, it, it's because I went back and forth on that after we recorded that episode last week, actually, um, of like, why wouldn't he just tell him stay on the beach? But I think one thing is it's close to his birthday. Kid yeah. hasn't gotten to yeah. use the, the, the boat yet. And also, you know, the movie's about masculinity, right? Like we've yeah. talked about that a bunch. Mm-hmm. Brody knows what it's like to be, a, a you know, a kid who's, you know on the cusp of puberty and like you've got your other you know uh male friends around you as a young kid and you you know you don't want to look like a coward but you don't want him you know you want him to be safe too so he's kind of compromising like he's like you know i don't want to make you look like a total you know pansy for lack of a better word but like um let's compromise on this right and then also i think i think brody is very um uh, conscious that he does not want his kids to have the same anxieties around water that he does. That's a good point. Um, and so I think this is his way of being able to be like, hey, you can still be in the water because I don't want you to develop this 
phobia of it and not only that but i don't want to be the cause of that so go over to this other body of water that's smaller it's going to be easier to see the shark presumably right (laughs) um (laughs) if if it's in there um and the chances of it ending up in there are probably pretty minuscule because there's only one way in one way out um when it's got this this giant body of water full of people to uh to attack so i think he's he's kind of trying to ride the line of um you know being a good parent but not being a helicopter parent but Mm. you know I don't know. I think there's a lot of stuff uh, turning in, in Brody's mind that I can I can see why he would do that. That's a, that's a good point because this is one of those things, you know, people always do the, oh, I would have done so much better, like, in this situation. <laughs> but, like, you know, in real life, you know, you're not – I mean, if you're – you fear that there's a shark in there, but it's 4th of July and everyone's in there and you know your kids are going to be, like, wanting to go in. And like you said, it's his birthday. It's, like, obviously a much more complex thing. So I, like, I do like that idea that he's, like – trying to like manage the situation as realistically as possible rather than just you know you can't go in there when you know he's a teenager you might just be like well screw that i'm gonna do it anyway and figure out a way to go mm. in the water so that's a good point yeah yeah he yeah that that kid's gonna end up <laughs> in there either way probably um so <laughs> reaching a compromise where he can be like okay and like giving him like some agency to make yeah. him feel like he's making uh, a decision i think is uh mm. is smart yeah. like that's usually the best way to handle kids so yeah. um yeah 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 because we i think we said last week actually that it feels quite deliberate when brody takes michael away like from his group of friends to have that sort of nice conversation with him where he's like i know it's for the old ladies but do it for the old man and and asks him to go in the pond instead of going out to sea so i think he's as as a dad he is sort of like conscious of Michael's pals are all there. He doesn't want to be that, you know, they all know that Michael's dad is is the the chief of police and he's going to be a real stickler for the rules. So he, I think Brody in this situation is just having to compromise. I mean, you can see the anxiety on on his face and even in that sort of uh, brief interaction with him and ellen it's quite it's quite awkward it's the most yeah. awkward interaction <laughs> i think we see between them so he's obviously i mean the weight of the world is currently on brody's shoulders he is he is on the beach and the rest of the team are, are sort of out uh, at sea he's dealing with all the messages coming in he's trying to manage the situation on the beach and how many people there are and then obviously having to to deal with his own children and family as well and making sure sure they're safe so um i do quite like that little exchange between between him and ellen where she is you know giving him this this big smile and wave across the across the beach um and sort of trying to reassure him that that um she's she's got sean there with her so he's safe um and brody just sort of like gives this look back and and sticks his arm up just to sort of acknowledge um that's happened and then (laughs) walks away but yeah it's quite um it's very different to the to the ellen and brody that we have seen previously and actually i've I've just gone back on the uh conversation that they ellen and brody have um when he is looking in the books and uh michael is out uh in the boat and obviously this is the same boat that we're now seeing michael heading out in now um and this thing about him not wanting to not wanting michael to share the same fears that he does about the water i think is something that we we talked about in that scene and um ellen sort of says to him i don't think he's ever going to go in the water after what happened yesterday and that's referring to alex kintner um getting attacked um 
and Brody is sort of quite defensive after that. He's like, oh no, don't say that. I don't want that to happen. Um, and then comes in with the great dad line of, I want him to read the boating regulations, which uh, we love. <laughs> we love uh, classic dad uh, Brody coming in. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, I mean, I I have questions about how Sean has managed to evade Ellen uh, <laughs> in this situation. I, I just He's think a Ellen, slippery little character. Ellen just never had Sean, even though she said she did. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I've got Sean. She's just, she's smiling at Brody with that, you know, huge grin because she's like, oh crap, yeah. I screwed up. I lost our other son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is running full pelt towards the other child who is about to go in the water. Like, <laughs> but everything's fine. Smile and wave. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Classic Stepford wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the, I want to see the the oh shit reaction when she turns around and is yeah. like, oh, man, Sean's not here. Uh, I, I want to see Brody's reaction if instead of mouthing, I've got Sean, she mouthed, I have no idea where Sean is. He's somewhere here. Can, can you help me find him? <laughs> where is our child? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is extremely funny that she's just like doing everything in her power to like alleviate Brody's anxieties yeah. about his kids. And then she turns around and like his worst nightmare yeah. is coming true. <laughs> And I, I joke about her, but, like, I think what you were saying, Sarah, about, like, how she's, like, just, like, sort of, like, it's an awkward interaction, but it's also one of the things I love about Ellen, and it's, like, she's consistently trying to keep Brody grounded in different ways in almost every one of their scenes, and it's, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not really necessary to the movie, you know, a lesser movie wouldn't, you know, wouldn't even have that shot, but it's just, like, she knows he's a nervous wreck, like you said, and it's, like, here, let me just smile at him and say, you know, hey, I, hey there, you know, handsome or whatever she's waiting, whatever their, I don't know, their back and forth is like that. But, you know, it's just like a little moment that, uh, you know, just she's like, I know he, he needs, he's he's going crazy right now and just give him a little bit of whatever, like happiness or whatever I can give him. I think it's just a really great moment for the relationship, just like every scene between them in, frankly, this movie and all their scenes in Jaws too, also, but yeah, she's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I their relationship on screen, I think, is just one of the most authentic yeah. things. I love any any and all interactions yeah. between them, even this slightly awkward one. Um, we have some of our our favorite uh, side characters returning. I was going to say this scene, um, <laughs> which is not in the is not in the script, but I definitely wrote down what our what our beloved Mrs. Taft says because she is just splashing about in the sea with Mr. Taft is there as well, and then the woman in the world's biggest sunglasses, I believe, um, who is in the middle of them, and Mrs. Taft is just tafting about and throwing shade at yeah. someone um, <laughs> at harry at harry right There's yeah about... so she, yeah she says i can't stand harry um you know love her hate him so oh that's what presumably... she said i didn't i didn't yeah couldn't, i could never hear what she said after that i you know i can stand or i stand harry whatever she said but i could never understand mm. the last part <laughs> so I mean, maybe I don't know. We never sort of. I, Harry is Harry Meadows, who is the the reporter guy. She could be talking about him. I don't know. It might be another Harry. Um, but is she saying that she? Well, she's obviously saying that she doesn't like him. But then is she saying that I don't know? Does she like his his wife or his partner? But she doesn't like him. 
I don't know, but I would love to hear more of this conversation. Is she, talk- <laughs> is she talking about bad hat Harry? Is she saying, I stand Harry, but no. I hate his hats? Yeah, there's another Harry. I forgot yeah. I yeah. about him. <laughs> I hope it's bad hat Harry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the her, I- is, the her she's referring to is his hat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Everyone in Amity refers to the everyone in Amity refers to that hat as her or she. While Brody, since he's a newbie there, is the one who's like, "Oh, that's a bad hat," and everyone else is like, "Oh my god, did he just say that about that hat? That everyone loves that hat. Like no one talks about his hat like that." They're like, he's, "Does does Brody know that he just insulted Harry's wife? He's married." Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, Brody crossed so many lines with that line. I mean, that's why Harry was so miffed. It's like, you talk about my wife like that? How dare you? Like... <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah. <laughs> See, this is this is much better than my thinking it was the other Harry she was talking about. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's it's got to be that. I yeah, think. 100%. So, so if he's saying, I stand Harry, but not her, does that mean she's jealous of the hat? Like that Mrs. Taft has like a history with bad hat Harry? Oh. oh. <laughs> oh. The thickens. They went to prom together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bad hat Harry turned her down. And uh, Mrs. Taft has been like just really angry for all these years. And um, mm-hmm. now she's just trashing the hat. Because, uh, I don't know, her heart still burns for a bad-ad Harry, who, mm-hmm. based on the age difference, if you went to prom with her, she was probably, he was probably, like, her middle-aged teacher at that time. So <laughs> yeah. I was, I was yeah. yeah. <laughs> Back then, he was just known as Hat Harry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, neutral, uh... neutral Hat Harry. <laughs> Yeah, neutral hat Harry. Um, no strong feelings about it, hat Harry. No, no. Um, do you have any, any thoughts on that? Uh, well, I mean, we've given many thoughts on that interaction, but um, yeah, any anything in sort of seeing these characters again and why... I don't know, this film loves the Tafts. There, there are many yeah. other people they could choose from, but we I keep just, seeing these ones. They sort of symbolize, like, the willful ignorance of the town, so I think the scene, ha- like mm-hmm. he, they have them in that scene... To show everyone dropping their guards, kind of, I think. Like, that's how I interpret their placement mm-hmm. in the scene. Because it's, like, a purposeful shot of them for, like, uh, three or four seconds. And it's it's there for, you know, a, a reason. I think it's just these are the people who have been, like, sort of, like, are you going to close the beaches? Like, sort of pushing back. And now this is them letting mm-hmm. loose on yeah. the 4th of July. Yeah, that's that's how I read it too. So most of the <clears throat> most of the 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 um, interactions of people who live in Amity we uh, we see is it happens at the political level, right? Like it's the yeah. mayor, it's the chief mm-hmm. of police. Like those are elected positions, right? Um, and mm-hmm. uh, well, the sheriff, I guess, is technically the elected position, right? Anyway, um, <clears throat> and then Hooper's brought into it, and Quinn's brought it. Quinn's sort of he's. He's an Islander, but not really. He's like this weird outsider character. So the only, and then Ellen is also new to the island um, with with Brody. So the Tafts kind of stand in for the citizenry, right? Like yep. mm-hmm. it seems like Mr. Taft is sort of a, 
fairly powerful businessman maybe um right because they have the store right isn't that what they say in the yeah i think so the mo- the mo- the motel- i thought they were on the motel, motel or something the motel yeah, yeah. so <clears throat> they have that um but they're not actively like they're when when the city council meets they're in the audience right they're 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 not involved on a political level uh mm. at least in an official capacity uh on on amity so i think they represent mm-hmm. sort of the the attitudes of the islanders um throughout the decision making process that's happening between vaughn and brody um because one of the some of the only other citizens we see the perspective of are like charlie and denherter um and they they just are in it for a quick buck right like they, they most of the most of the mm-hmm. other citizens of amity we see don't really comment on what's going on necessarily um they're just kind of hunting the shark um but yeah i uh, i totally agree with you uh chandra yeah. about the the tafts being yeah. the 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 island at large yeah. and and how they react to it <laughs> the island at large <laughs> <laughs> the citizenry of the island at large i, sh- I should say yeah yeah, definitely. Um, okay, shall we shall we get on to Larry's um, big moment? I think uh, I, I because one, there's a lot. One, <laughs> there's a one, lot to say. one thing I just wanted to say though, like, do you guys? Mm. There's this way back when Hooper and Brody are talking to Vaughn, and and uh, Brody says it's like ringing the dinner bell for Christ's sake. This entire scene with the splashing mm-hmm. and all the people screaming, I feel like it's the actualization of that line. It's like almost yeah. feels like. A literal, like literally that, and I think that's purposeful mm-hmm. and really well done. Uh, do we yeah. hear uh, the bells on a buoy in this? Uh, Not in we? this bit. I don't think so. I don't remember okay. one. Okay. Because mm. that would be like literally ringing the dinner bell, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we hear it. Obviously, that's that's one of the sounds like when yeah. when Chrissy is being attacked, isn't it? So yeah. Um, I think we hear it again maybe at some point in the film i think much later uh into it but yeah this is this is definitely all the things that that brody and hooper feared uh is sort of happening now uh in real time and we are we are watching these events unfold as well and larry is doing the most larry thing possible (laughs) which is uh giving giving an interview um and i mean there's a lot to take away from from what he says but the thing that made me almost throw something at my television today uh was the line when he says um let me just get the script so i've got it perfect um it says uh we've caught and killed a large predator predator that (laughs) supposedly injured some bathers injured some bathers a child died like (laughs) they're they're not just injured some bathers like i mean talk about playing this down i know he's like appearances and and trying to look like everything is is fine but he is the living embodiment of that meme of the dog that's in the room that's on fire and it's just like (laughs) this is fine that is exactly his face when he he is giving the speech he like downplays like so many things in that that speech like he he's uses the word predator instead of shark he yeah. says supposedly and mm-hmm. in, injured like yes it's like 
how many lies or how many quarter or half truths can he like throw into this one interview and uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah it's uh yeah it is larry being larry mm-hmm. i do have one question for you guys do you do you what do you guys think do you guys think he thinks a shark is still out there Ooh. we i think i don't know if we if this was the thing we disagreed on in an in an episode recently i think right. that we we talked about his his face when he sort of sees like the chaos on the on the beach and yeah. is really not looking happy about the situation before he like persuades the family to go in yeah. i think at this point it's not really a consideration for him um he has sort of been silenced or 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 calmed by the fact that a shark has been caught so at least in terms of appearances and making it seem like everything is fine his bases are all covered the there is a you know a a body of a shark has been has been caught and strung up and thrown back out to sea um the people have all come and everything now is just about keeping up those appearances i think i there's potentially something niggling in the back of his mind because I don't think you could listen to that impassioned yeah. speech from Hooper and Brody and be in complete denial. But then, like we said, he stands in front of that sign that says one way. And it is just like there is only one way that he is going forward now and only one way that he is thinking. And that is that the beaches will be open and everything will be fine. So that was a very roundabout way of me saying i'm not sure um but i think at this point he he doesn't oh it's hard to say he doesn't care but i think he's just more concerned about giving off the appearance that everything is fine whether it is or not whether he believes it or not um but an interesting thing to think about i think like what what is going through that that little mind of of larry i mean i think Uh, he thinks sorry go ahead no go ahead I, yeah, I think he doesn't think it's a threat because, like, I mean, maybe I'm being naive here, especially considering the last year. But like, just like <laughs> his, his, he seems like not worried about danger at all. Like, you, you know, it probably is nagging at the back of his head, just you know that impassioned speech. But he also doesn't seem concerned at all, which to me speaks to like he's he either doesn't he thinks it's not a threat or if he did, he's trying to, he's, um, what do you, he's just, um, repressing it basically as like, nope, everything's okay. Everything's okay. And I'm going to believe this. Like, I think he truly believes it's not a threat and, or it's not, there is no shark still out there. Yeah. I, I think, especially in light of the, 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 the last year and the way we've been reading this film a lot. (laughs) Um, I think, I think he does think something. I think there's at least he's what ifing a little bit yes. because of his change of heart later in the film. I think if he just full on was like, nope, we caught the shark. We don't even know if it was a shark that killed these people. Like full on committed all in on that. I don't think he would have that change of heart later in the film. Yeah, um, that's a good point. And so because I know there have been kind of two reactions with covid that way where people were like oh it's not a big deal and then they lose someone close to them or they ended up in the hospital for two weeks and then they came out and were like oh hey yeah take this seriously like completely change their their mind about it and i think 
I don't know a lot about those people necessarily because it was a fair number of them and I don't know all of them personally, but I think they had to have been people who were maybe what ifing about it every yeah. time they rolled the dice on it. But I also know people, including in my own family, uh, who got it and ended up in the hospital for 14 days and still don't think it's real. So, uh, like, got a positive diagnosis yeah. and... Mm -hmm just just kept on keeping on after they were they were quote fine uh unquote so and i and those are people who took very hard stances early on and just refused to change them yeah. um and so did just did no questioning after they made a decision um so i think that that uh oh by the way i don't want to mince words here Fuck Larry Vaughn in this scene. <laughs> um, this is horrific behavior. Uh, that that supposedly is yeah. infuriating. Uh, um, mm -hmm. It is infuriating. <laughs> so and injured, like yeah, injured, injured. They sprained like, It supposedly sprained the ankle of a bather. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there was maybe a large predator that uh, mildly inconvenienced yeah. some people who were yeah. in the ocean who yeah. may or may not have Call, been yeah. off the shores of Amity. Yeah, a mild predator <laughs> called them names and hurt their feelings. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did catch a large predator who cyberbullied some people yeah. who were in the ocean. Like, yeah. <laughs> not that cyberbullying doesn't have very real consequences, but yeah. you know what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I, um so but yeah i i think he's he's at least got a question in the back of his head i don't think he's fully 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 bought into his bullshit but i think mm. the reason why he's so sold out on it here is because he is in front of a camera and he's yeah. politicking um and that's still bad that's still really bad um but uh, you know i i think because of what happens later in the film where he's like okay yep i'm gonna let the people who are in charge handle this uh because i feel like you i feel like there are uh, well uh i feel like leadership in this country in over the last year there is a huge difference in uh in the previous guy and the new guy and the previous guy just didn't change his tune at all when presented with evidence to the contrary. So I think we've seen very real world examples of people who are similar to Larry Vaughn, who just see like mountains of evidence in front of them who didn't change their minds. Yeah. And mm -hmm. we also see people who did and Larry becomes one of the ones who did. So mm -hmm. I think those are people who are more open-minded and willing yeah. to accept like, Hey, maybe the reality I've been living in is not actually reality so larry's a complicated guy is what i'll say <laughs> yeah good for him for changing his tune though at the end you know in the end well yeah he's still a scumbag for the majority of the movie but yeah <laughs> at the very least like i do i'm glad he shows that remorse like in a, a couple scenes from now it's his yeah. one saving grace here yeah, mm -hmm. it it really is. Well, and I think this is because I've been following this this through line because I, you know, yeah. humble brag maybe. Like, ever since I connected it to, like, the idea of Steven Spielberg exploring his Jewish upbringing and using 
Vaughn is like a pharaoh type figure, um, which is mm-hmm. very very similar, right? Um, mm-hmm. That this is his sort of you know Tarantino way he rewrites history in Inglorious Bastards or or even you know Django Unchained or whatever type of moment where this is like what if Pharaoh did change his mind? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you know that's that's sort of a thread I've I've followed a little bit and I, I may be reading too much into it, but uh, I probably am because <laughs> the way the podcast is. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a whole podcast is reading too much into all of these things. So, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you mean like how he's matching the umbrella that's behind him? <laughs> Vaughn is absolutely. Yeah, I didn't notice this. Oh man, I yep. wish I had movie up right now. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's. Well, I did notice that, but I I also noticed all of the wonderful extras uh kid <laughs> extras in the background who are all very much enjoying their moment i'm gonna pop something into the discord now which has my favorite uh my new favorite extra who is the kid in like the red jumper um just like throwing <laughs> up a peace sign behind larry <laughs> kid's awesome i love that kid he's my new favorite extra uh hey. he's taken the crown from the margaritaville guy running into the water before <laughs> yeah that kid's great he looks like beans from even stevens i don't know if you guys I... ever watched that show growing up that's a throwback say, he looks like the he looks like a young version of uh whatever the actor's finn whatever his name is from stranger things oh wolfhard yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> also, I like I like the the kid with the afro is looking at that kid in red and being like, "Oh man, that guy's so cool." <laughs> <laughs> as a kid taking a picture as well, like a picture of the cameras. Um, is, it's is that, really great. And is that bad hat Harry without a hat walking off in the distance in the in the <laughs> right side? <laughs> Maybe I. <laughs> I oh, know Tre- Trouble in Paradise. Yeah, he sees Mrs. Taft yeah. with with Mr. Taft. He's like, "What? They're still together?" And then he's. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice. Well, speaking of the other Harry, um, Harry Meadows is in this bit as well. Yeah. He like steps uh, yeah. in, steps in at the side, and he is like trying to usher these kids out the way. I don't know what he's saying to them. <laughs> probably just like stop mucking about. This is being recorded or something. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I, I'd not noticed um, his interference in this scene before, but yeah, there's, I think, sorry, getting back, <laughs> back to what we were saying about about Larry is I think that obviously what he says is is dreadful, and I think the way that he plays it down is kind of unforgivable, really, particularly with what happens next, and I'm sure that this would have been one of those clips that sort of haunted his days uh after after the next attack and after sort of things got uh progressively worse for for amity that this clip would have been sort of played (laughs) out um of him being like everything is fine no one's been injured and then like immediately the next item is someone gets their leg chewed off at at amity um so yeah i i this seems like the sort of moment that would really really come back to haunt larry but the he he is on camera and obviously i think that is that is important if this was just him having a conversation with harry or one of the other sort of people that he he is close to then it would have felt a bit more sinister i think because if that's just a conversation that's sort of happening between between two people you're like well why is he playing down the the fact and 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 what actually happened but 
he's he's playing to the camera very clearly and, and is is conscious that this is going to be is going to be broadcast and that doesn't obviously make it okay but i think that you could certainly read that this isn't necessarily larry being like you know in his heart deep down he's yeah. not like everything oh, is yeah. fine um there is something still sort of within him and and because even just the way he is on camera is quite awkward as well and seems nervous almost yeah absolutely and we don't sort of normally see see that from him he seems like quite a quite a confident guy most of the time and he changes the subject as well like from uh when he says like so his whole speech is uh, i'm pleased and happy to repeat the news that we have in fact caught and killed a large predator that supposedly injured some bathers that's obviously the we have a lot of issues with what he says there but then he sort of goes on to say as you see it's a beautiful day the beaches are open people are having a wonderful time amity as you know means friendship um which is a great line (laughs) but it's he's he's kind of deflecting isn't he i mean this is a classic politician move really that sort of look over there nothing is nothing to see here um sort of thing plays down what what was actually a very very serious event and is very quick to change the subject as well and and say you know it's it's sunny the beaches are open look at everyone behind me having a fabulous time um it's yeah this (laughs) this bit hit too close i think in the in the pandemic um and it started circulating again like particularly in the uk when last summer when we were very much not out of the first wave at all um and they sort of opened things up again then we had some very very sunny weather um which is a fairly rare occurrence in the uk so mm-hmm. the sunny weather just naturally meant that the world and his pooch decided to go to the beaches um so there were all these sort of um pictures of really really packed beaches i mean like we see in the film where there's just so many people and you can't move for towels and umbrellas um and this this clip of Larry or sort of uh, someone had photoshopped like Boris Johnson's head onto Larry as well, which was a, a haunting image um, that started going uh, doing the rounds on social media of people sort of uh, making the comparison of, of, of Jaws and the pandemic, particularly as it involved the beaches then. Um, so, yeah, this 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 scene hits a little too close <laughs> to home, I think, as many of the scenes uh, have done as, as we've sort of gone through them in this way. And I do wonder, like, do you, do you think the cameras cut off right after he said Amity, as you know, means friendship? Like, or did they capture... Because the fake shark attack all starts, like, maybe 10 seconds from now. So is he still on camera, like, mm. saying something and then suddenly everyone's freaking out? And was that all caught in camera or do you guys think it ended and he at least escaped being on camera for the uh, uh, the pandemonium that occurs? Because it's not really an important question, but I always think that that would be an interesting alternate take. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a really interesting question, actually, <laughs> because the implications of that are very yeah. uh, broad. Like, <laughs> if this is all caught on camera... Well, you know, I I do think, though, if it is all caught on camera, it does get revealed that it was still prankster kids. That's true. So 
it does it does still make larry look kind of right like quote unquote yeah. right or whatever like for, it's still it doesn't do that much to harm him for the two minutes if, until someone actually dies after that. yeah yeah <laughs> because i feel like once they get the the narrative of the prankster kids they would cut filming on that to yeah. be like oh, okay we have a complete story here so then they wouldn't have the the other shark attack yeah. on camera yeah um uh do, do you guys think that's peter benchley's hand that is extremely well manicured in, in frame <laughs> holding the microphone. Maybe. It's I, a, I've never once thought about that. <laughs> it's it's an extremely good looking hand. I know that's a weird thing to say, but it's whatever, just so. Whatever your boat. <laughs> it just looks like extremely well taken care of. Like it just looks like meticulously costumed, and it's just a sleeve and a watch. And, and I don't know. It almost looks fake to me <laughs> is that the watch that he's wearing in this in this in his cameo and also are his hands oh. beautiful in that scene also <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> uh, if there's one thing i yeah, think when i see those hands though it's scrolling back in the film to try and yeah. find out <laughs> yeah, when, I, when i see those hands though it just screams those hands wrote jaws so yeah <laughs> and the deep also a good film not as good as draws yeah. I haven't seen it. What what movie? It's, it's the Deep. It's got the Deep. I have, not, I have not seen that. Have you guys seen yeah. the miniseries mm. The Beast from like '96? Also Peter no. Benchley. It's the giant squid. No. Uh, basically the exact same movie, only way worse. It is not very good, so I do not recommend it. <laughs> and I also don't know how so. you would watch it. <laughs> All right, I didn't have to do any work there. Oh. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> I I can't get to the that bit in the film uh, to verify whether it is Peter Benchley's lovely hand or not. MJ, I don't know if you are if you are there. Uh, I can get there probably. Let's see. Um, it's pretty <laughs> soon or pretty. The important questions that we need to answer. <laughs> Wait, where the hell is it? I mean, that would change my interpretation <laughs> of the scene if he's trying to impress Peter Benchley and that's why he's lying like this. That would change uh, everything. <laughs> oh, there it is. Oh, uh, yeah. It, I'm here. It might be. Yeah, it does look like it could be. Wow. So all these kids are mugging for the camera he's are not like watch. just... Yeah, they're not just trying to get on the camera. They're just... They're starstruck. <laughs> that Peter Benchley's there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess, but in the yeah, movies... Yeah, the mic is the same. Yeah. The yeah. watch is the same. Yeah. Good for Peter Benchley. Well yeah. taken care of hands. Yeah, good well, for his, there yeah. is our mind. <laughs> That's our mind-blowing revelation this week, that the <laughs> the disembodied hand uh, that is interviewing Larry is Peter Benchley. <laughs> and that Peter Benchley might... He's not might, just in that one scene. He makes and that a, Peter a Benchley, glorious return. And that Peter Benchley might get manicures? I guess you can't yeah. con- can't make that conclusion mm-hmm. from this, but mm-hmm. I I would think that looks like a manicured hand. But uh... yeah, he's like, well, you know, he's a writer, so he's like, these are the yeah. money makers. I yeah, gotta take right. care of them. <laughs> <clears throat> gotta take care of these hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Did 
<laughs> did we have the, anything anything else uh, in, the, in this scene the, or about Peter Benchley's hands? I mean, I'm the hands that built Bruce, the autobiography <laughs> of Peter Benchley's hands. The, pic, the picture on the book on the cover of the book is just his this shot of mostly Larry Vaughn's head and part of Peter Benchley's hand. <laughs> yep. And the kid in the background. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, and the peace sign kid. <laughs> also, the the yeah. peace sign kid moves up from the back of the group to get his peace sign in. <laughs> yeah, he does. Commitment, dedication. Yep. Yeah, we love yep. to He's, see it. that is a child on a mission. <laughs> that, is, that, is a, that is a child yeah. on a mission to bring peace to the world. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. He also pulls uh, the same kid pulls like a really funny face. I couldn't get the still of it. It took me long enough to get this still, honestly. But I, <laughs> I persevered for the comedy value. But um, when Larry says um, "amity," as you know, means friendship. This kid pulls this face like, oh, <laughs> like a really like knowing look. Um, I recommend going back and watching the scene just and just watching that kid because he's really he's really given it his all in the background there, and I'm a I'm a oh. big fan. Oh. <laughs> I, I will say, I don't think I've ever noticed, like, I've seen this so many times, but I don't think I've ever put it together that the fake shark attack happens literally right after Vaughn's scene. Like, I mm-hmm. never noticed that, and it's like, oh, wow. So, I mean, it's super obvious now, like, why he did it, but it's like, yeah, it's just uh, just a good way to transition into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the because I I accidentally went a bit ahead. Yeah. Like the very next thing you yep. see after he says that line is one of the spotters out um, on the boat, and then you see the fins sort of like coming across, and then you yep. see it cropping up in various other places as well. And that's when it all sort of uh, chaos comes. But yeah, I I had not realized as well like how quickly we see the cardboard fin like after this bit. It really is like mm-hmm. soon when sort of chaos. Uh, chaos in shoes but yeah did you did you guys have anything anything else on this on this bit before we wrap things up i do have a question do you guys Mm -hmm. where where do you guys think the shark actually is during the scene like i know we talked about maybe it's under the swimmers like uh pov the pov shot might have been the shark but i've always just assumed that that's just like an omniscient pov and Mm -hmm. that that's the shark is actually not there and like it only i only started thinking about it when I was connecting like, oh, so these, you know, the, this is ringing the dinner bell and like literally everything you don't want to do to attract a shark is being done in the scene. And it's like, mm. where, like, where is the shark? Like, why is he lollygagging and not like showing up here for a much easier meal? And he has to actually then go all the way to the pond to get his, uh, his, <laughs> his meal. Like where, where do you guys think he is? It's just biding his time. He's just watching <laughs> from afar. He's like, look at these idiots. Look at them. Look at them <laughs> splashing about. Little do they know, I am about to make my <laughs> my big appearance yeah. again. Um, I yeah, I don't, I don't know actually. Yeah. I think that you see, there's that great shot in a in a few moments time where Sean is on the beach, like merrily yeah. playing in the sand or something, and you see the actual shark sort of swim like right close past him as yeah. he's going into the pond, and that is. At one of the most terrifying shots in Jaws, I think. But yeah, I that that fake first shark perspective thing really throws me in this scene, and I think it's meant to. I mean, that yeah. may be the actual shark. Yeah. I, who knows? I yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think he overslept. 
And I think uh, <laughs> I think the commotion from like the fake shark attack. He's like, "Oh crap! I need to get over there. This is the Fourth of July." And then he, yeah. everyone. <laughs> Everyone's out of the water. It's like, ah, where's that? Where can I go? Oh, wait, there's an estuary over here. I'll just go swimming. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's some people here. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so he lucked out, but it was by no skill of his own. Mm. He's in his trailer, like, waiting for his call. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he's sitting there uh, talking with Robert Shaw about his scars and, uh, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're just getting drunk together, making fun of Richard Dreyfus and, uh,. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> uh yeah I, I think i think that that there are so many people it's like it's like when you go to the cheesecake factory and the menu's so big yeah. you're, you're just like i don't know what the hell to get man like that's what's happening to the well, shark the shark just has like analysis paralysis of who, which that, person is the tastiest that is almost <laughs> definitely it because you know let's go back to it assuming that the pov shot was from the shark because he sees the kid who's like I guess uh, go, like coming up from really deep underwater, and he's like, ah, not him, not him. And he he sort of sets his sights on. There's this girl in a blue bikini who's in two separate shots. I think it's the same girl. So it's like the classic. Do I want the cheeseburger? No, I want something else. Oh wait, but that cheeseburger looks really, really good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is almost the perfect yeah. analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I know from my like. I went to Cheesecake Factory when I was in America because we don't have them over here, and that is is you shouldn't. It should well, not exist. <laughs> but then it's a novelty when I go on holiday, and then I yeah. can have it. But I, yeah. the first time I went with one, I was with my brother, and we spent maybe like forty-five minutes looking at the menu because <laughs> I was like, "Well, I want to eat everything, but that's not yeah. an option for me." So. <laughs> normally i'm like pretty decisive i've looked at a menu beforehand i've thought about it i've weighed up the options before sitting down but this i was just like there's there's honestly too much uh so this is yeah the shark is having that same crisis uh that (laughs) happens when you look at cheesecake factory menu yeah no the shark the shark is a perfect example of why a smaller menu just works wonders i mean the earlier attack scene on the beach, it was like, okay, mm-hmm. we got Bad Ad Harry, or we got these two, this couple frolicking. Oh no, kid on a raft. That's what I want. And it just yeah. <laughs> zeroes right in. I don't need a fake shark or anything like that. I'm going yeah. in. But yeah, give him too many options and psh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, yeah, I well, guess I'll go to this smaller <laughs> pond over here and I'll eat at the smaller restaurant over here. Did we, uh, <laughs> did we say, uh, uh, yeah, he's supporting local at that point, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. uh, the beach is like the, the chain, and then like the pond is a mama pop shop, and then he just yeah. bites he bites the pop's leg off, though, accidentally, in his zest to get there on time, because he was missing out on the 4th of July. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> well, and so... what? what there was an episode where we called something an amuse-bouche for the shark, and I don't remember what it was, but that is that just, is the story. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about the to say, is, Chris, is Chrissy the amuse-bouche? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, Chrissy's, like, okay, eating at a right. tapas restaurant, and... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Weird. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Okay, right. <laughs> this is this has taken a turn. Um, yeah. I mean, I could make Jaws and food comparisons all day long, but uh, we we better start wrapping this up soon. Um, but thank you so much, um, Chandru, for being a fabulous guest. Um, it's been really really great to have you on. So thank you, guys. If you, hey, you welcome anytime. Honestly. Oh, <laughs> Um, do you want to let people know uh, where they can find you um, and also anything that you want to, to plug as well? Uh, now, is, now is your chance. Yeah, so I have a Twitter. It's it's supposed to be Lazy Stream of Thoughtlessness because that was the name of my blog way back, but uh, it was too long. So it's just L-Z-Y-N Thoughtless. So I don't blame anyone who doesn't get that spelling, but that's that's where I'm at on Twitter. I have a blog that's called Pointless Rewind. It's at pointlessrewind.com. I used to write about a lot of things. Now I just mostly write about the X-Files, which is my favorite show. I have a podcast that I do with a couple of friends called Pointless Rewind as well, which coincidentally, just our last episode that got released was Jaws. And we recorded hey. it. Hey, yeah, we recorded it like three and a half months ago. But uh, since it is just a podcast with me and my friends, we are super lax about it. And my friend was like, I'll, I'll release it before you're on your episode. Because I told him I'm going to be on an episode of this in May. <laughs> and the months went by. And then I was like, on Wednesday, I'm like, uh, just so you know, I'm going to be on it on Sunday. He's like, oh, crap. So uh, he, he got it out. But uh, yeah, you guys can check it out. Yes, definitely. Particularly the Jaws one. I started listening to it earlier and it's a, it's a real fun listen. I like your little skit that you do at the beginning. Um, uh, thank you. I won't, I won't spoil <laughs> for people, but it's it's a lot of fun. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Those skits are the bane of my existence because we started that, we, we did it, our first episode was on Terminator and there's just one line in there and I was like, how, what's a way to start a podcast? Let me do a, a one second skit and now we just have all this pressure to do it every episode. So. <laughs> yeah, the, the Jaws one is particularly excellent. Maybe I'm very biased. Thank you. But it Thank is, you. Yeah. <laughs> well, worth, well worth a listen for that alone. Um, <laughs> MJ, do you have anything that, that you want to plug? Um, I also have another podcast called Real Perspective, R-E-E-L Perspective, um, and we just did an episode on Godzilla vs. Kong, and we should be gearing up. Um, I don't know if we'll get one out before I move. I would like to, uh, because it'll be the last one I can record in person with my co-hosts, um, but yeah, after we move, you should start seeing more regularity um, with which we upload, so uh, yeah, just uh, just go follow that. Awesome. Yeah, I also have another podcast. So currently doing a series for Jumpcast where I'm going through all of the Disney animated classics. Um, so our latest episode, I think, is Wreck-It Ralph. Um, next one will be Frozen. So we're, we're very close to being done. Um, and then I only have one very long uh, com <laughs> commitment <laughs> podcast to do. Um, so that'll be, a, that'll be a fun novelty for me. But yeah, if, if you want to um, listen to me talking about Disney with my fabulous co-host, uh, Barry Levitt, then you can find that wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Jumpcast and there are over 50 episodes for you to listen to. So plenty to choose from there. Um, you can follow uh, the show um, at Jaws for a Minute on Twitter and you can follow us individually as well. I am at Sarah Buddery and MJ is at MJSmith891. You can email us as well. Uh, our Twitter DMs are open, so we're, we're pretty responsive on there. But if you want to email us something as well, then you can. Our email is JawsForAMinute at gmail.com. 
you can support us in a variety of ways so you can uh, rate and review on your podcatcher of choice um apple podcast is the easiest way of doing that i think but uh, as we discovered off mic before we started recording you can review us on other platforms as well it just takes a bit of detective work to <laughs> figure out how to do that um but the you can do it uh we have been reassured that that is the case uh, you can also buy some of our merchandise through TeePublic and Redbubble. The link is in our Twitter bio for those. Uh, also linked in our Twitter bio is our coffee page. So if you um, want to throw us a couple of quid or a couple of dollars, wherever you are, um, then we would really appreciate that. And if you donate, then you will get a shout out on a future episode. Um, and you will also be entered into a draw to win uh, a piece of merchandise. So definitely worth doing that. Um, we're almost at our target on that actually so a few more donations and then we will be able to do that draw so uh, get in quick if you want to have a chance of winning an awesome piece of merchandise um, our merch of course uh, logo uh, both designs are designed by my good friend Alex um, he is at Hex Shadow on Twitter so go and give him a follow as well and Kristen who did our wonderful theme song uh, which you can purchase on Bandcamp is at Kristen Falls Music on Instagram so go and give her a follow as well I think that is everything uh, so we will be back with uh, another new episode next week until then it's Jaws O'Clock somewhere <laughs>